And welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Trades HQ Podcast. My name is Michael Sipes. You can find me on Twitter at FFBlitz. And I'm here with my partners, Jeremy Broen. At Dynasty Madman. And Shane Manila. Shane. Shane. Oh, just Shane. Okay. Shane. That's right. People knowing my name. Dude, your name um, is on 117 episodes, but that's fine. Listen, I, I keep forgetting. Listen, people have short memories. So as far as anyone knows, my name is Shane is the worst on uh, the Twitter. The thing was, about short memory is the internet is forever and all our episodes are floating around everywhere. So, uh, hey, listen, there's so much going on the last couple of days with free agency and everything like that. So we're going to go right into having our guest here our guest is here mark schofield welcome mark thanks for being here michael gentlemen it's great to be with you again um always a fun time we got a couple of things to talk about a few quarterbacks <laughs> are home so i i think we'll be able to come up with some good content for the dear listeners absolutely and it worked out perfect when you talk about quarterbacks there's so many things that happened today with quarterbacks wow uh, where would you like to start? I, I believe you're a Patriots fan. So. Yeah, so, so we could start with, I don't know, Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Nick Foles. Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I guess we have to start with Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, and wow. look, I mean, it, it's strange. It, it, it's strange. I can get all sentimental and talk about how, you know, 20, 21 years ago, I was a law student. I was getting over the fact that my playing days were over. But as a, uh, as a Patriots fan, there's a kid that's basically my age suddenly leading a team to a Super Bowl. I could talk about how for 20 <laughs> years Tom Brady has been, you know, my constant. You know, Petty is my constant. Petty's not Petty's boat, whatever you want to say from Lost. He's been a constant. <laughs> like, you know, I, you could track my life where I go from law school to not being a lawyer married with two kids and Tom Brady's still there. And now he's not. Like, you can... I could get all emotional and swept up in that, or I could just be a cold-hearted assassin and say, if you want to look at this from a purely fantasy perspective, you probably want to get yourself some Chris Godwin shares like now. Like hmm. You probably want to get yourself some O.J. Howard shares like now because as much as Bruce Arians doesn't involve the tight ends, as much as Bruce Arians doesn't like checkdowns, as much as Bruce Arians likes to push the ball down the field, this is going to be Tom Brady's show now. This is going to be Tom Brady's offense. They're not bringing in Tom Brady to run what Bruce Arians wants. They're bringing in Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl, and the best way to do that is to run what Tom Brady wants to run. And so he's going to throw to the tight ends as much as Bruce Arians' offense has never incorporated the tight ends. He's going to want the slot guy to get involved. And everything I've seen from watching Tampa Bay from last year and studying them again, that points to Chris Godwin. And so from a fantasy perspective, you probably aren't going to want to buy some Mike Evans because – Tom Brady's not a downfield guy. And a lot of people have sort of hung themselves up on the idea that, you know, Tom Brady's not a downfield passer. And that's true. But he doesn't have to be to run what the offense is going to look like. But, you know, having the slot guy, having the tight end, that's going to be huge. And so from a fantasy perspective, I think those are the guys you're going to want to key on. If you have those guys now, now might be a good time to even consider selling them. Because you're probably going to get a ton in return because people are going to hear shows like this. People are going to look at Tom Brady and what he does and what he likes to do and see the video breakdowns and understand that, oh, he's going to like to throw to the tight end because he had Gronk and he's going to want to throw his slot guys because he had Edelman. You could probably get good hauls in return if you want to go down that route. Yeah, just on that, um, the Mike Evans front, <clears throat> and it's been, I, I read the same stat about, 15 different articles over the last day and a half. Yeah. Um, Tom Brady's A dot last year um, was eight yards 
uh, eight yards a pass, which was 26th in the league. Yeah. And uh, Mike Evans was at 15.3. Yeah. Um, so that does not seem like a marriage made in heaven. But <laughs> no. we do know that Brady loves his slot receivers. Yeah. And it looks like Godwin ran out of the slot. There yep. was a couple of different stats I saw. It was somewhere between the neighborhood of 50 to 56% of the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Godwin's going to go nuts. The only one I'm not sure about, though, I got to be honest with you, and I thought I was, was uh, O.J. Howard. Yeah. Only because is it – is Brady's love of tight ends – was it Brady's love of tight ends or just Brady's love of two Hall of Fame talented tight ends and Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski? I do think a lot of it was, in a sense, schematic. You know, a lot of what New England loved to do was, you know, showing that play action stuff where you get those linebackers flowing downhill and that sort of wide cross design behind it with the tight end. That's going to be something huge. And Brady, look, for whatever you want to say about his inabilities in the vertical passing game, he still throws the seam route perhaps better than anybody in the league. And, you know, you can just see O.J. Howard running seam routes just running nothing but seam routes next year, maybe the occasional crosser and having a big year. And so, uh, look, as, as a Patriots fan, as somebody that has you know hosted a Patriots podcast now going on three years, I can tell you that from people in the Slack channel, you know, people that send me DMs on Twitter for the past couple of years, can we please trade for O.J. Howard? My hmm. God, can we trade for O.J. Howard? I will give my firstborn child for <laughs> O.J. Howard. Like, Patriots fans have been clamoring for Tom Brady to throw to O.J. Howard for years now. Years. And they're going to get to see it. You're going to get to see it. It's just not going to be the way you want it to, but you're going to get to see it this year. That's pretty funny. Uh, uh, oh, wait, Shane, uh, you're trying to talk? <laughs> Your sorry, mic was off. Sorry. Yeah, so O.J. Howard, um, <laughs> before last season, which I'm, I'm going to call an anomaly uh, just because of Arian's hatred of the tight end. But prior to last season, even last season, he had an excellent yards per reception, 15 and a half. But his, both of his first two seasons, 16.6 yards per reception. That's not even tight end numbers. Those are just ridiculous, like almost Deshaun Jackson numbers, yeah. which, man, if Brady does click with him, I'm, I'm going to talk myself into buying way too much O.J. Howard. I already know. <laughs> I'm going to do it too. I I'm mean, going to paint gonna... that narrative into my head like he's Aaron Hernandez without the murders. You know, it's it'd be so cool because, you know, you guys know that I've liked the the Bucks for a while and I have Mike Evans everywhere, but I have OJ Howard in a lot of places that I got him really cheap. So I hope you're correct. You know, um, Mark, when you're talking about all this stuff, we know all the good things that are going to happen supposedly with the Bucks, but what happens to the Patriots? I mean, what's going on there with their skill players and with that team? Look, it, it, what's what's the the gif you know with, with will smith in the empty living room looking around <laughs> that's Dante hightower right now he's looking around like you know on both sides of the ball kyle van noy is gone jamie collins is gone danny shelton is gone deron Harmon is traded <laughs> obviously tom brady's gone look it Patriots fans were a rocky bunch to begin with the way that season ended, knowing that Tom was potentially leaving. It's like downright like wake time. And <laughs> it started like, guys, I was in Indy for the combine. And you probably heard that Thursday morning when, you know, Darlington came out with a report that Tom Brady's probably going to leave. Well, that Wednesday night, the night before that came out, I was at a bar with all the Boston, you know, all the Pats beats, right? Beat writers. And it was like a wake. <laughs> it seriously was. They were all like, what is going to happen? Like they all, we all knew that Brady was leaving, but it was like, what's going to happen? What, what other dominoes are going to fall here? And they're falling. Uh, look, I, I think as far as the quarterback position goes, I do believe sitting here right now, 
you know, March 18th in the midst of a global pandemic. Yes. Not just Tom Brady leaving, like an actual global pandemic. Yeah. That Jared Stidham is going to be the guy that the, yeah. they're going to see what they have in Jared Stidham. I'd, I'd imagine that a guy like Brian Hoyer, who's probably surplus now in Indianapolis, given the Philip Rivers move, might come in as a veteran backup mentor type. And they're going to see what they have in this kid. And if they like it and if things go well, they'll roll with them into 2021. And if it doesn't go well, they're probably going to be 4-12 and 12, given their schedule. And who knows, maybe they try to package some picks up and move up to draft Trevor Lawrence, which, by the way, friends, <laughs> if you're going to let Trevor Lawrence somehow end up in Foxborough, you will get what you deserve for the next 20 years. Like, Wouldn't be I'll surprised. Right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, Robert Kraft must have sold his devil, his sold to the devil again for that yes. to happen. Again. But Belichick no, in a rebuilding year. Wow. Yeah, it, 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 they have a very bad schedule. They've got, you know, multiple West Coast trips. Obviously, you look around the AFC East right now. Buffalo looks to be in pretty good shape given the moves they've made. Miami, look at the moves that they made in free agency, and they have three first-round draft picks. <laughs> the Jets are a football team, but you look at the Bills and you look at the Dolphins. They <laughs> and so, could could the Patriots go four and twelve next year? It's it's certainly possible. And yeah, but as far as every you know, Julian Edelman, like like. It, look, it's like a stock market situation now. Just get out. Just, just turn everything into. <laughs> get out while you can. Get out while you can. Get Edelman. You get James White. Forget it. Just recoup your losses best you can. Any chance the Patriots do everyone a solid, cut James White, and let him end up in Tampa Bay? Would it shock me? No, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, they'd probably try to trade him. They'd probably try to move him. Um, but you know, obviously you've drafted Sony Michelle, you draft Damian Harris, you know, you draft Isaiah Wynn in the first round last year. Those were moves that at the time told me they're looking at a post braiding world where they're gonna run it forty five times, fifty times a game, and they're gonna try to win games, these seventeen ten rock fights. Like that's what they're aiming for right now. And so James White is going to be somebody that's on the outside looking in in that kind of offense. And so would it would they try to move him? I'm sure that they've gotten calls and I'm sure they're looking into it because the type of offense I expect them to run next year with Jared Stidham, probably not a huge fit for him. Now, all this being said, we've got guys like Cam Newton, we've got guys like Jameis Winston, we've got guys like Andy that might be available. I'm sure at some point they're calling around about these guys and saying, look, if you're going to cut, you know, a Cam Newton, what about a one year prove it type deal? Like, it seems like the Chargers are going to go in a different direction with Tyrod and you know Justin Herbert, I guess. And, and so why not? I'm sure they'll try those options. But I think their plan that we were told they had a plan from Diane Rossini and everybody else was Stidham and see what they have. That might make James White somebody that could be on the outside looking in. And yeah, drop it him and say Tampa Bay to play with Tom Brady again, or you know drop it him and say Philadelphia, or. You know, dropping him into the Rams mm-hmm. if they move on from, say, a Todd Gurley. Yeah, th- those could all be great landing spots for James White. You know, it's crazy when you said that, you know, with Cam Newton, there's Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and Andy Dalton. All three yeah. of those, as of right now, they don't have a place to play, you know? No, so they what, don't. What, is, what, is, what are the Chargers doing? They're seriously going to go into a season with Tyrod Taylor. That's what they've because said. Because that's not a rebuilding team. No. So you're going to go into a season with Tyrod Taylor as opposed to, I don't know. Well, I guess you got to wait till Cam Newton gets cut. Yeah. Because you're not going to trade for him. 
I'm sure that if Newton gets cut, they'll explore that opportunity. But, you know, I, was, I just hopped off a radio show and I was asked, like, what quarterback, you know, what team has sort of surprised you with how they've handled the quarterback position of free agency? And I said the Chargers because what I think <laughs> this is telling me is that whoever they're targeting with that sixth pick, they have confidence that guy can play sooner than we expect. Yeah. Now, whether it's Justin Herbert, whether it's a Jordan Love, whether it's Jacob Eason, whether it's me, whether it's Jake Fromm, I don't know <laughs> if it's <laughs> But whatever it is, they feel that, look, they don't need a guy that can run out there for 16 games. They don't need a Cam Newton. They don't need an Andy Dalton. They can have Tyrod Taylor. They can run him out there for three or four weeks and then make the transition. And Tyrod Taylor can get them to two and two and they'll still be in a good place. And so, you know, I, I think they have a better feel for these these quarterbacks being ahead of the game than some of us on the outside looking in. So I think that's what they're doing. I don't know. Maybe we wake up tomorrow morning and Cam Newton's in the power of blues. It's entirely possible. I think, be, I think that'd be an awesome landing spot for him. It's just um, amazing to think that Cam, Jameis, and Andy may not play. They have to play somewhere. You know, someone signing them. They I have mean, they, to. They're stars. Yeah, Three. Here's Jameis is the most interesting one because he's got the arm talent. He's got some head issues. Yeah, it's just but physically you don't you know there's limitations to a Cam Newton now um, yeah. that weren't there before, and there's limitations to an Andy Dalton. You know, Winston's right. obviously not a runner, but his arm talent is probably up there with anyone in the league. Yeah. Like you just you want him to get with a coach that will just teach him how not to make so many mistakes you know, they were you're gonna make they were saying on nfl network today i think it was the the afternoon show they were saying that Jameis should sign league minimum with some team as a backup and 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 then maybe do a prove it deal where he could play or something like that it just seems to me that there, there's no team in the nfl that he would be a better starter for right now there's about six 17 teams off the top of my exactly. head. Exactly. Um, so I don't understand. I, the Bears I, just traded for Nick Foles. Yeah, yeah. Fourth, and then they're going to pay him, what, $21 million over three. It's just Those ridiculous. It out, but wait, man. but wait, wait. So, Mark, you're here to talk about these quarterbacks. What were you just saying about Jameis? You know, I, I think this situation with Jameis Winston is yet another reminder that NFL decision makers are incredibly risk averse hmm. and they see a guy that throws 30 picks and they say, look, I can't sell this to the people upstairs. If we sign this guy to a, even a starter level or, you know, an upper tier backup contract, like even if you give him case Keenum money, they're going to look at you like, why are we paying somebody, you know, maybe 8 million per that if he comes off the bench, he's going to throw picks. Like you, it's hard to sell that. These people are risk averse. Uh. I do think that, the, the landing spot that would probably be ideal for him right now would be Carolina. And I know they just went with Bridgewater, but he needs an offense that is going to really sort of define the throws and not give him a chance to burn his hand touching the stove. Hmm. Like, because anytime he sees that deep ball, anytime <laughs> he sees that, that whole shot along the sideline, He's going to throw it and he's going to burn his hands. Like he needs to be in this Joe Brady West Coast type system of they're going to be installing for Teddy Bridgewater that obviously Bridgewater is familiar with and sort of learn to just take what the defense gives him. He needs a season or two of doing that. And then we can start talking about, okay, Jameis, now you've sort of figured it out. He is still the guy 
that when I sat down and studied him for that draft class and charted all of his throws and looked at the number of times he threw into double and triple coverage, I was just like, look, man, <laughs> you've got to stop doing this. You, you can't do this. And here we are, you know, in his fifth year in the NFL, and he's still doing it. Sometimes quarterbacks are who they are, and sometimes they just don't unlearn the bad things, which leads us, interestingly enough, to the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky, because there's another quarterback that is who he was in college, just a guy that has vapor lock and can't get the ball out of his hands and can't make up his mind what to do with the football, and that's going to cost him his job. Well, and that that was the next name we had on our list, and Shane kind of mentioned him a few minutes ago like we were transitioning, but yeah, they so they signed Nick Foles today. Is he going to be the starter then and Trubisky out? Or what What do you think's happening I there? Think, I think by Halloween, he's the starter. Oh, and by- I think that might even be too long. Like, he might win that job in camp. That's because, what I mean. You know, you look at where Trubisky has failed as a quarterback. It's those, yeah. make it a simple read and get in the ball out. Like, I've told this story millions of times, and people, the dear listeners, I'm sorry to bore you again with it, but – when I talk about how quarterbacks are who they are, Trubisky is the guy that led me to that belief because you know, he had that play against, I think it was the Saints this year, where it's just a simple RPO stick concept, something that high school kids are running, something that my you know, my cat, may he rest in peace, probably, yeah. probably yeah, brave, <laughs> okay? And he just freezes. And Seth Galina, who does a great job covering quarterbacks, did a great Twitter thread on it that went viral. Of course, it overshadowed the piece that I wrote. I hate you, Seth. I hope you're not listening to that. You know, go Canada. But he just had vapor lock. It's this simple thing that he's been running probably since high school when he couldn't figure out what to do with the football. And it reminded me of a play he had in college where he had basically the same route concept. The number three inside receiver to the trips was uncovered. So he thought, I could just throw it to him, right? Well, the slot corner jumps that guy at the snap and he freezes. And the guy's now uncovered on a five-yard out route, screaming for the football, and Trubisky gets sacked. Like he's still that guy. So all the Bears need is somebody that can just throw it to the open guy yeah. on time. That's it, which is why I thought they were going to go the Jake Fromm route. I thought they were going to draft Jake Fromm in yeah. the second round. That's all you need the kid to do. Boom, done. You'll win 10 games with Jake Fromm. As a you warned player. us last year on the show about Trubisky going into this season. Uh, you said – you didn't say exactly the same things, but you said, you know, we knew who that guy was coming out, and he's yeah. kind of proven it. And, and yet another season, he, 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 season he did it again. No, but, but that being said, the move to trade for Foles, to give up a fourth rounder, and to take on his salary, that screams panic to me. Mm. That screams like sheer – panic because you could have probably had Andy Dalton for less uh-huh. and you have a smaller salary. <laughs> you might be able to sign Cam Newton in a, in 24 hours for less. You could have drafted Jake Fromm. Now, I know people are making a whole lot about how oh, he's got some familiarity with Matt Nagy and you know, he knows everybody and they trust each other and people are talking themselves into Nick Foles. Yeah, in a vacuum, you know, with money not being an object, sure. Yeah, it makes sense. But the cost and the salary and all of that, I mean, I guess if you want to look at it as, you know, you're paying starting quarterback money to one of the guys that's going to be in the quarterback room. No, it's not the guy you traded up for to draft second overall. It's going to be the guy you just gave a fourth-round pick for. I guess if you want to look at it that way, sure. But I think they had better options. This does scream panic to me, even though Foles is probably the guy, you know, come week one. 
They did Jacksonville a favor, no? I mean, don't you expect Minshew to do pretty well in Jay Gruden's offense down there? I mean, better than Foles? Yeah, I I think they did Jacksonville a huge favor. Obviously, they're they're taking the money, too. They're taking that off their plate. Yeah, and Foles isn't a good quarterback. Um, everyone, Doug Peters, because he's not a good football player. And people start as soon as people start saying he's better than Carson Wentz, I, I turn red because I'm like, well, you don't know anything <laughs> about football, and you shouldn't probably speak about it. But yeah, Foles is terrible at football. Um, not good. Um, and it is a panic move, especially, you know, that's Ryan Pace and probably Nagy both trying to save their jobs. If you're going to give up a fourth round pick when you already have limited picks because of the Trubisky trade to begin with, um, I, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I see why they're doing it, but yeah, I'd, I'd much rather have Andy Dalton there. Yeah. I mean, give Andy Dalton, Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson and, you know, the 18 tight ends that are there, I think I'll do a much better job than Trubisky. Wait, and are, are, we, are we still considering Jeremy Graham a tight end? Like, <laughs> really? Like, if we want to talk about panic moves, like, this is a team that, like you said, Shane, Pace and Nagy, they know that they got to win. Otherwise, like Halloween, they're gone. Yeah. Like, it, just because of everything that's going on. To, to side Jimmy Graham, like – that's a stunner to me. Right. And they gave him eighteen million. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Now look, they could always say, at least we're not Bill O'Brien. Like they can no. say that, you know, and maybe that saves their jobs. But no, I mean Chicago seems to be panicking. The Bill O'Brien Someone. thing was right. You're there there's so much stuff. But go back to Jeremy's question though to you, Mark. What what do you think about Minshew over there now in Jacksonville? Look, I, I look, I'm a I'm a Gardner Minshew fan, number one. Like I I was a fan of him coming out. Um I, I love sort of his attitude, his mentality, his mental approach. You know, I think when you study Jay Gruden's offense, one of the things that really stands out to me is his willingness to stay aggressive in the passing game. Like when you see, you know, when the Alex Smith injury happened, then they're rolling through guys like, you know, Josh Johnson and Colt McCoy and just <laughs> a who's who of quarterbacks. Like they're still slitting it. Like he's still dialing up aggressive pass concepts. You look at their offense last year and when they came out of the gate, like they hunt what, like 28 on the Eagles in the first half of week one. They still lost that game, but you know, their play action concepts, their vertical route concepts, they're incredible. And that's what Gardner Minshew can do. Like he doesn't have an overly powerful arm, but he can give you some shot plays over the top. He can give you some stuff working off of play action. He can make right reads when the safeties rotate. You know, I did a video over at Matt Walton's RSP breaking down him, reading a rotation in the coverage. Like that's, you know, high level stuff that he's doing as a rookie. And so I love the idea that they're just saying, look, this is our guy. Like he could run this offense. I think he's going to be a great fit in that offense. So I'm excited about Gardner in year two. Sells t-shirts too, man. Nick Foles probably doesn't. T-shirts? <laughs> what does he sell? Bud Light? <laughs> he, he, and mustaches and mustaches, yeah. you know? Mustaches, shorts? Like, look, he's George, in our George, he's yeah. like driving cr- cross country right now. Does Gardner know about the coronavirus? Like, that's my <laughs> yeah, he oh He's my the God. guy like, on the beach drinking Corona. Like, we saw that thing with, uh, what was it, Jared Leto? who was like in isolation yeah. in the desert somewhere and he just came out like those guys in the German version of big yeah. brother that like were just told, yeah. like, I'm sure Gardner's that way too. Like he's somewhere in like Yosemite 
like no cell phone, nothing. Has no idea what's happening. He's gonna come back for OTAs that are like canceled. You're like, why? Yeah, what are you guys talking? Well, it's a global pandemic, Gardner. Where you been? Oh my god, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, Shane, you were about to ask something before when we went on back to Minshew, or no? Oh, I don't. I don't remember. It's probably not important. But okay. I, I will say this: I'm not a giant fan of Minshew, but. Uh-huh. You have to buy in now, yeah, um, yeah. Because you know, here's the thing about Jacksonville too: they're paying something in the neighborhood of thirty-five million in dead cap money to Foles and uh, Blake Bortles. Still, oh, they're still um, playing Bortles. <laughs> I think so. I, I read it. I was reading ESPN before the show, and it was something like that. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to want to invest in a quarterback early because they clearly can't even um, scout quarterbacks. They can't scout college ones, and they can't scout pro ones. Um, So maybe they just ride Minshew out and just, you know, see where he takes them. Yeah, and Mark, speaking of, like, the the cost of players, what what, with Bridgewater going over to Carolina, (laughs) Shane, why are you shaking your head? Just Bridgewater gets twenty million dollars a year to be a game manager. It that, just that's what it I makes was... you mad that you did drugs and stuff in high school and and didn't play sports because you're like I could be mediocre. I could be very mediocre. I'm very mediocre at many things already. But why couldn't it be as an NFL quarterback? Mark, do you believe that? Do you believe Bridgewater is mediocre? I mean, I think it, uh, he is a game manager. I think that's what he's going to be doing for, for Carolina. And I think he fits in that offense. You look, obviously, there's history between Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater that dates back to New Orleans. You look at that LSU offense that Joe Brady installed that passing game. It's a lot of West Coast concepts, a lot of quick throws, designed reads, getting the running backs involved. That's what Bridgewater does. Like, you, you know, you want to talk about captain check down, check down Charlie, whatever. That's what Teddy's going to do. And I mean, look, when you've got a guy in Christian McCaffrey to get involved, when you've got some of the other guys they have, these slot type guys like Curtis Samuel and others, I think it makes sense. Is it going to, you know, be exciting to watch? Is it going to be like, you know, an air raid show or anything like that? Maybe not. Could it work? Certainly. And when you see what Joe Brady did for Joe Burrow, like, I think you can sort of buy in on what he's going to do for Teddy Bridgewater. Why do you think they kind of like backdoored it in and, and like Cam's just like floating there now? They didn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't know. I'm I'm trying to read through Cam's Instagram post, and I I need the Cam to English translator because of the font. (laughs) I don't know why they did it this way, you know, especially when. And I understand, look, Tampa rules and everything. You want to say the right thing. So Matt Rule comes in, says all the right things about Cam Newton. We want him to be here and whatnot. They clearly had a vision, you know, and they clearly looked at once, you know, once they brought in Joe Brady, it said to me, look, Cam's gone. Like Cam Newton's not running that offense. It's not the best fit for him. Cam's a downfield type guy. It wouldn't surprise me at all to have seen Bruce Aarons go after Cam Newton if the Tom Brady thing didn't work out. And so, you know, it's just, it's such a weird thing. We have so many quarterbacks potentially looking for new homes to think that Cam Newton's on that list. Cause yeah, I was always of the mind that Cam Newton's an elite quarterback and yes, he's been hurt and yes, he probably doesn't have a ton of, you know, seasons left given the mileage that's been put on that body, the way he plays the position, you know, not just taking hits in the pocket, not just as a runner, but you see him downfield throwing blocks on reverses and things like that. But I still think that, look, there, there's a couple of years left that Cam Newton could be good. You know, I think the Chargers should be in on that. If he somehow finds his way to New England, I'd be overjoyed. But I, I, once they brought Brady into to Carolina, I sort of knew the handwriting was on the wall there. 
It's just so strange. What about Philip Rivers signing that one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts? I mean, I I think that makes sense given, look, the drop-off in Rivers from 2018 to 2019 was stark. Like, you want to talk about quarterbacks sort of falling off the cliff. Like, it looked like he didn't have an arm left at times. And yeah. obviously, look, you still have Philip Rivers – He's going to risk it at times. He's going to make some some head scratch decisions, and as we like to joke about on on the timeline, it always seems like life for him is just an endless strain of you know down by seven with four minutes left. <laughs> Philip Rivers in his life, and maybe when you have what thirty five kids, it certainly feels that way. So, how does he handle the current climate? Yeah, like, he, you can't gather in groups of ten. Like, what does he do? Yeah, he's not allowed in his living he's room right now. The, yeah, he's going to hang out with the family. The newest yeah. baby, they just leave behind. Oh, no, they're no, no. They, no, he I mean, will stay in his – No, he they're stays in his office. <laughs> he no, stays in his room. Like, <laughs> because the newest the one is probably the cutest because you know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So no. maybe the oldest. Oh, my God. Really like them. It's the middle out. one. It's the middle one. So it's like the sixth kid. You're no. not really sure that. Oh, my God. No, stop. Old lazy eye over there. Hey, middle kids, don't listen to them. No, they they just don't tell anybody that they're all in the same room. But um, so how many can I can Mark? Let me get the over under on 19 uh, Heinz targets next year. 150. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take the over on that one. I mean, he's going to be he's going to be throwing swing route screens, bubble screens and a bunch of like five yard outs like that's going to be the offense. That's what he can throw right now. And so I think from that vantage point, it's a logical sign. And I think the idea of like a one year sort of quote unquote prove it deal for a guy that's probably got one year left makes a great deal of sense. And I think from Indy's perspective, I know they just, you know, they traded up, they, they gave up the 13th pick for, you know, DeForest Buckner, which I think was a good addition. They still have 34 and 44 in this draft. Hmm. And so if a guy like Love falls, if a guy like Eason falls, somebody that probably needs some time, they could come back into the first and get them with those two picks. And so, you know, it's a logical move for them. You know, I think it's a good landing spot for Rivers to sort of, when you look at, you know, the fact that his arm might be close to near in the end here. You look at what Frank Reich was able to do with Andrew Luck when it looked like his shoulder was still done and they were able to still make it work in that kind of offense, given all the quick game stuff they do. I think this could work for a season and then they transition to the next guy. Hmm. Yeah, you know, Rivers, and you said, you know, he's got one year left. I think he has negative one year <laughs> left. Um, I hope not. I, look, I understand, you know, that, that they made the move they did to, to, you know, build up the defense, but it just feels like it's a lot easier to move up and get one of those top top QBs from 13. Right. But, well, yeah, I mean, I could see them taking definitely – if if Eason or, or Lover out there towards the end of the first, they, they almost – are have to move up because after rivers what's interesting is because of some of these moves we might see guys fall a little bit more than we expected you know Mm. that was one of the interesting things and that's always one of the interesting things about you know doing you know pre-free agent walk drafts is because you know two weeks ago i could have told you i could have sat there and said look borrow at one to cincinnati Okay, Tua at five to Miami, Herbert at six to the Chargers, you know, maybe Love at seven to the Panthers, and then Easton comes off the board, maybe somewhere in that 12, 13, 14 range, right? You know, now it changes. Like, you probably still see Cincy going quarterback at one and, you know, Miami going a quarterback there, and it might be Tua. The Chargers, they're saying they might not go quarterback, or they could grab one of these guys we've been talking about, maybe a Cam, maybe a Dalton. Yeah. Carolina, you know, Carolina's probably not going quarterback at seven with, 
you know, with Teddy and you know in town. Vegas, they just brought in Mariota. So they're probably not going quarterback at 12. So you're seeing artificially now these guys get pushed down the board. Tampa Bay at 14, they're not drafting a quarterback to replace Tom Brady. They got their guy. So now you're still seeing a scenario where these guys could fall. Love could fall. Eason could fall. Now when you're talking about guys that might slide into the, you know, the 20s, the late 20s, it's not that much to go up and get them from 34, like where Indianapolis is. So, you know, it, it has changed the board a bit when we start thinking about the draft. You know, so you just there. said something. You just said something that I didn't even think about. When you just said about uh, that the Bucks aren't going to draft anybody, nothing has even been said yet about Jameis. Is it possible that Jameis sticks around and sits there behind Brady? I that might I mean I guess it's possible they'd have to pick up his fifth year option. Yeah. You know, and it's relatively inexpensive. I don't I'd have to pull up the numbers as to what it would cost them. They could probably do that. You know, it wouldn't be the most outlandish idea to say, look, Jameis, get the LASIK, see how the eyes adjust. This guy's gonna play for you next year, and then we'll sort of figure it out. You know, it could be done. You know, I I think if I'm Jameis, I'm going to try to find a way to get out. Right. It's not out. That's not the most outlandish idea, especially when you're thinking, look, you know, Tom Brady's not going to be there forever. Right. You're still going to want a life, you know, a plan for post Brady. And he's a 43 year old quarterback. Like I'm, you know, seven months older than the guy. And I can't (laughs) turn my neck right now because I did something (laughs) funny when I was like reading a book last night. So yeah, like, could happen like the body doesn't and don't give me this pistachio ice cream stuff like the body changes when you get to be north of 40 and yeah tom brady could tweak an ankle in training camp or sneeze and herniate a disc and now what are you going to do you know so maybe james they still find they pick up that fifth year option anyways look we've seen crazier things a team just traded for nick Foles, so yeah yeah, (laughs) it just i don't know i just thought of it when you said what you said you know it it, it was funny you know the other thing that 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 is weird you you followed the patriots you did all this stuff is it true or do you have any insight of all this story that's going around today saying that brady wants ab to come that him and ab are friends and he wants him to come over to the box I do believe that from what I've heard that I don't want to say that the whole AB thing, the way it went down was like a final straw kind of thing, but Brady did not agree with that like at all. And yes, look, AB has been accused of and probably has done like some bad things, some awful things. And I think the decision by the organization to cut ties with him, given the things that were coming out made sense, was the right thing to do. And I think that if, you know, AB wants his way back in the league. He's going to have to, you know, go through the appeals process and everything else. But I do think that there was a genuine sort of relationship there. And let's be frank, like as much as Tom Brady liked throwing to Julian Edelman, it had been since like Randy Moss that he had had sort of a game changing vertical right. type wide receiver. And Josh Gordon wasn't Flash Gordon of 2007, 2010. He was a different guy. Like he was a you know possession type receiver that had some potential burst after the catch. He wasn't Flash Gordon of, of years ago, and so having AB just for a week, and obviously he welcomed AB into his home. I think he genuinely sort of felt like this was a guy that could get me one more ring. Hmm. And so I think that Brady's looking at it, perhaps trying to sell Arians on bringing AB back into the fold. Remember, AB did play for Arians at a time. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's been all over the internet, you know? Yeah. I can't 
That's just insane to me because Tom Brady seems like a smart guy. I don't know him very well. <laughs> well I mean, AB, look, AB has shown that he is nothing but an actual time bomb in your locker yeah. room. You no, think that there's no way that goes well? None no. with Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. There's and no I'm way sure they have a three-way fist fight. Or Arians, oh my has, god, who has some personal experience with AB, would probably put the kibosh on it. But from Tom Brady's perspective, look. You don't get to be Tom Brady without having a couple of screws loose, okay? And while he seems, you know, like a generally intelligent guy, like he's a bit insane. We could say that. I could say that. And so, yeah, I think, you know, he probably looks at what he could do on the field and thinks, oh, well, this is all that matters. And there's obviously more towards building an organization than just can you run a seven route and get open. <laughs> it just seemed like I understand his, his position more so, I guess, with the Patriots because that team, that wide receiver court was just devout. Yeah, that's no, not a I word. Mean, you want to you talk, talk about you want to talk about panic moves? They gave up a second for Mohamed Sanu. Like, that was nuts. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that was like that was when I knew that things were going south. Desperation, that yeah, was a yeah, desperation move, and that's something the Patriots never do. Like they <laughs> never panic. They panicked in season, and that told me there, like, look, man, I might as I can free up the schedule for January. I'm not going to be doing anything else. (laughs) Well, maybe you'll move on to another team, like everybody else seemed to have. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, I've I've gotten the DMs, people being like, "Are you going to follow the Bucks now? Are you uh, going to cover the Buccaneers now?" That's cool. I don't know. They just hired John Ledyard down a Pewter Report, so I don't, uh, you know, I can't fill those shoes. John's a pretty big dude. That's pretty funny. I was going to make a joke about that, but do you really get those DMs? I am getting those DMs. Can I tell a quick John Ledyard story? Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Not met John Ledyard. My first year at the Senior Bowl, I went to Saucy Q's, the barbecue place where everybody sort of goes. And that was the year where you had like a morning practice. You know, you had lunchtime and an afternoon practice. Thank God they changed the schedule because my liver doesn't process alcohol the way it used to. Yeah, but right. I mean, but I go to Saucy Q's and I see this massive guy walking and I'm like, this is really cool. Like the, the players that they come and hang out and have lunch at this place. And this guy sits down. He's like, hey, I'm John Ledger. Nice to meet you. John Ledger is a massive human being. Like he's like 6'4", like a legit, like 245. Like I thought he was a fullback. I didn't like, realize. Yeah. Yes, he's, a, he's a very, very big boy. So I'm happy for my friends, John and Trevor Sikama, you know, Luke Easterlin, JC Cornell. They get to, you know, they were covering Jameis Winston. Now they get to cover the greatest of all time. Like, it's yeah, time. <laughs> big difference. Big difference. But I mean, what, honestly, which one was probably more fun to cover, though? The Jameis? Oh, that Jameis 30-30 Absolutely. 30-30. Look, I mean, anyone can win a Super Bowl. Not everyone can do a Jameis <laughs> here. The eventual Jameis Winston 30-for-30, 30, 30-30. Is going to be must-watch television. Oh right? my god! I, yeah. Oh, the thirty for thirty special. <laughs> yeah, but it ends with thirty interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thirty oh, thirty. Yeah. Like, where it ends with him getting LASIK. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you know everybody loves Ricky Vaughn, and so here we go. We're getting it again. To be yeah. continued. Oh, I want to do that now. They just well, <laughs> they have all the free time in the world since we can't yeah. play. Because we can't do anything else right now. You know, one of the other things that we were going to actually talk about with you are the rookies. And, you know, when Shane just mentions that, you know, they they wanted since we did the show last week, they've announced that they are still going forward with the rookie draft. Correct. They're just not doing it in a public forum like they did, like they were planning on in Las Vegas. So 
do you have any insight or anything about what they're going to do? Or is it just going to be all online and, and through Skype? I, and what are they doing? I, I think it's going to be sort of what I'd like to see and what I think will happen are two different things. What I'd like to see is, and I, I tweeted this out back in the old day, the smoke-filled room with Roselle in front of like a, a little <laughs> board where he like writes in the names or puts up the, you know, and stuff. Like I'd like to see something like that with, with Goodell sort of in a smoke-filled room somewhere, like in a bunker. Like we teams call it in, or like the little NFL helmet phone. Like I'd like to see that. I'm sure it'll be basically just, you know, Goodell probably at you know five 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 Park Avenue, you know, in a conference room, just like comes to a podium, the, the pick comes in, he announces it, and then you know the various you know NFL Network and ESPN they have their, you know, their studio setups, and, and they break down the picks, and everybody's sitting an awkward like six feet apart, which is that's been a weird thing to see, <laughs> like CNN or something, and they have like. A, they're a huge panel of 16 people, but they're all like 15 feet apart. I think that's what they'll do. Um, it, it certainly, look, we were going to be treated to, you know, draft picks coming up on a red carpet via boat. Like, it's going to be like, you're Vegas, like, tawdry, like, totally cheesy and over the top. Well, I guess we'll have to get that next year if we're all still here. Um, oh, gosh. We'll see. You know, it's funny, actually, going back to the placards, like you said, and, and the smoky filled room, it could go along with the whole premise of the entire season last year of being the 100th year of the NFL. You yeah, know, <laughs> we could like, do an like, old school draft. Black and white, like, <laughs> you know, bring back Jimmy the Greek and guys like that. I don't know. <laughs> right. Jimmy the Greek. Like, yeah. Mark, <laughs> Jimmy the Greek would not play well in today. <laughs> he didn't play well <laughs> in the 80s. Oh, shit. Exactly, you know, made for the 2020. Um, who is, and I, sh I should know this, and I'm sorry, I didn't prep. Uh, <laughs> I blame the coronavirus. Oh, God. Um, your QB1 would, for fantasy purposes, is it Burrow or yeah, is it Howell? I, I, I think it's still Burrow. Um, because, look, you look at the offense that he's going to end up in, Cincinnati. You look at the weapons he's going to have around him. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that from what he does on the field, from what he shows from a process and speed, pocket management, competitive toughness, accuracy. Like, he, he checks so many boxes. And with Tua, look, he's good, but I still have questions beyond sort of the health side of it. Like, the health side is a question. Obviously, that's not one we can answer. Um, but I still see situations where, you know, he just assumes too much, where he'll sort of read a coverage and expect that, oh, yeah, this is what they're doing. He doesn't confirm it, and it gets him into trouble. And so I think those are the top two guys. But I think Burrow's the one. So I'm assuming towels your Tua, Tua, Tua. You not say towel. Tua twice. What are you I talking about? I keep doing about? it. I keep. I got. I got to correct myself because I keep wanting to call him Tal for some reason, like Mal Tail, the uh, the chairman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, he is your. Is he your number two, or is yeah. it someone else? Yeah, he's one. Two is two, and then you get into that sort of next tier where you get like Herbert, you got Eason, Love. Um, from and hurts like that's that sort of next tier of guys um that second tier are all guys that i think you know you could play next year um maybe not right away um but i do think that those are quarterbacks that you know if they're drafted you know i think like herbert comes off the board of the first easton and love probably come off the board of the first and then you know when you look at from when you look at hurts like those guys probably come off the board of the second you know, those are guys that I would not have a problem with my team drafting at some point early in this draft. It does fall off after those guys. Like there are a handful of guys that I'm excited about, but 
it this this quarterback class does sort of fit out pretty quick. Yeah, so I've heard you mention Eason before Love a couple times. Is that on purpose? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it, it kind of is in a sense. Like, there are things about Jacob Eason that I like. There are things about Jordan Love that I like. There are reasons why I believe the league is going to love Jordan Love, pun intended. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that he does on film that gives me pause, not just last year with the 17 interceptions, but even the year before that when everybody said, look, you know, that was his great year on film where, you know, he didn't have a ton of turnovers. He should have. Like, he loved to tell us down at the Senior Bowl or at the Combine, like, yeah, I look at interceptions as teachable moments, and I had 17 interceptions, and I had 17 teachable moments. And that's a great line. It sounds great. You know, tested well, you know, when they put it through the focus groups and everything. He had 17 potential teachable moments the year before that just were dropped. You know, they learned from them. (laughs) So what are we talking about? Exactly, Jeremy. And and so when I look at Easton, I see a guy that had this huge layoff that comes in is willing to challenge the middle of the field, may not get it right all the time, but he's doing it as opposed to some of these other guys that can give you sort of that under the center, back to the defense, drop off a play action, you know, read a defense, make a throw over the top. Like I see more in him of stuff that traditionally works in the NFL as opposed to Jordan Love with all these mistakes that he's made. And so, yeah, I I look at Eason and I think, look, if I'm sitting there whether it's like 14, 20, wherever in this draft, and I got these two quarterbacks staring me in the face, I'm turning them the card for Eason. The league, though, has talked themselves into Jordan Love. And I know that it's it's a couple of things, Jeremy. It's the arm number one. And I think, you know, we often talk about, oh, guys that played at, you know, FCS schools like Carson Wentz or, you know, the MAC, like, you know, the Mountain West, like, say, you know, Josh Allen, now obviously with Jordan Love. You know, we like to think, oh, well, they played at lower level competition. How are they going to be able to play in the NFL? I think the NFL looks at these guys and says, well, yeah, he was playing with nobodies. He won't be playing with nobodies when we draft him because we got a bunch of somebodies in our locker room. So he'll naturally get better. So they're talking themselves up into these guys and they see a guy like Josh Allen have some success in the NFL with the arm and the athleticism and think we can make it work too. And so, I think that's why, look, you had the Bucky Brookses and the Lewis Riddicks talking about at the combine. He's going to go earlier than you think. I still think Jordan Love probably comes off the board in the top 10. I wouldn't do it, but somebody's going to. There was one question I wanted to ask you before we wrap up stuff. Um, and Shane, I'm sorry. The reason I'm saying it to you guys this way, it was it was something that Shane wrote on Twitter and I can't find it. So instead of me pulling it up, I'll just ask you to ask him, Shane. But, um, so we, my goddamn puppet. No, no. Yes. You're a puppet. You're going to ask him this because I think it was a really good question. So, um, hand out of my ass. (laughs) So, so uh, actually, so Mark, a lot of times we go over a lot of trades and, and some other things like that. So we were just wondering if you had some time afterwards we're, for our Patreons. We're going to do some trade talk for the Patreon show after this. Can you do that? Yeah, certainly. Cool. That was so, my question. No, no, no. But no. All right, great. So that's great that you can do that. But before we go, there was a question that Shane asked on Twitter that actually got a lot of traction on the question. And it was about the Patriots. Shane, I don't remember the wording you exactly um, used, but what you asked a question about whether it's going to be about Bill Belichick or Brady. So go ahead. What was the question? Basically, it was this. If Bill Belichick were to take Jarrett Stidham, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, or 
I guess maybe Cam Newton at this point mm-hmm. and win a Super Bowl. Would that diminish uh, Tom Brady's legacy any bit? It, I, I don't. I, I think if he did it with a Dalton or a Cam, I don't think it would. I think if he does it with Jared Stidham like this <laughs> year, I think it kind of does, especially when – look, there's a good chance that New England goes, like I said, like 4-12. and 12. They've got – Seattle on the road. They've got the Rams and the Chargers on the road. Like they've got a tough schedule. And so if Bill Belichick somehow turns Jared Stidham into a Super Bowl winning quarterback in his second year in the league, replacing a guy that was kind of a legend, a la what Tom Brady kind of did with Drew Bledsoe, yeah, that kind of tells you that maybe in this whole was it Brady, was it Belichick kind of debate that people are having, that it gives you a big you know weapon to use in that argument in favor of bill belichick i i still think that it would it would only diminish it somewhat because you're still talking about a guy that won six rings that did it his second year against the greatest show on turf with a last minute drive when john madden's in the booth saying you got to play for overtime like that's the stuff of legends and he had two different hall of fame careers like you take his first 10 years in the league and say he retires, he's in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Brady comes into the league in his 10th year, but that's his rookie season, and plays those 10 years and wins three more Super Bowls. Like he's in the Hall of Fame. Like he's had two different Hall of Fame careers, but he put them together and it's like Voltron. And <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it would only diminish it somewhat. But yeah, if, if Bill Belichick went to Super Bowl next season with Jared Stidham, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> what drug take it? And secondly, yeah, I think that Prince Brady, you know, knocks him down a tiny peg. That's why I, I really wanted Shane to ask you that question because I thought that was really interesting that you put that out there. And part of why I even thought it was a, a great question was: Do you believe, Mark? I guess the last thing I'll ask you about Tom Brady is: Should he have left? Should he have gone to another team and play a couple more years? Or should he, I mean, the what he built and what he did for you guys and all this stuff, should he have just ended his career with you guys and then gone into Hall of Fame and be happy? Look, we all want storybook endings. And I think for me, the storybook ending would have been, you beat the Rams in the Super Bowl and you and Gronk say, we're done. That's yeah. it, okay? We're walking off into the sunset together. And I think that would have been the Disney ending. But life isn't filled with Disney endings. As Tom Brady Sr. told us before they played, I believe, the Super Bowl before Atlanta, things end badly. They always do. This is a business. And so I think we sort of expected that this was going to happen, that he was going to leave. And, you know, he doesn't owe Patriots fans a gosh darn thing, okay? Like, you bring yeah. Super Bowl titles. Look, the Patriots before Tom Brady were a laughingstock. Like, yeah. what do they do in their two Super Bowls? The fridge drops a touchdown on our laps in Super Bowl 20, and then Desmond Howard returns two kicks for a touchdown and wins Super Bowl MVP. Like, those are your two Super Bowls, and you get spanked in both of them? Like, hmm. this was not a good franchise. It was a laughingstock. You ask any Boston sports fan, like, back in, say, you know, pre-Brady, rank the four Boston sports teams. It's the Red Sox, even though they had, you know, a horrible record and past of their own. It's the Celtics, it's the Bruins, and then it's the Patriots. Like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick together changed that. So if you wanted to go play for Tampa Bay, if you wanted to go play for the Chargers, for whomever, you know, except I guess, you know, if he went to the Jets, that would have, you know, really stunned. 
But anyway, <laughs> hey, look, they don't owe us anything. And so, like, I hope he hangs 40 on every team every week. And guys, he might, because let's not, let's not forget this. He named his production company 199 Productions. It is a constant reminder that he was pick 199. Hmm. I've often joked that if you get into an elevator with Tom Brady, before you get to your floor, he's telling you he was picked in the, ninth, in the sixth round that he was picked <laughs> 199 because he's that insane. Now what we have to fuel him in addition to all of that craziness and insanity, Bill Belichick gave up on him. Yeah. That is how he's going to feel himself for the next 12 months of our lives. So mm-hmm. I think the world needs a Patriots Bucks Super Bowl next year somehow. Oh. I mean, could you just imagine the <laughs> That's t- crazy. Like, yeah. And I when mean, you talk about storybook endings, can you imagine if he took the the Bucks to the Super Bowl and it would be the first Tampa, team ever to Tampa. yeah to play the Super Bowl in their stadium? That would be a pretty amazing ending. But I know uh, he's not going to retire before Drew Brees. That's definitely, <laughs> yeah. not, that's definitely not happening. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Mark. Brees signed a two year two year deal. Hear the the contract terms for Brady yet, or is it just it's just whatever the, I feel like nebulous thirty million? Yeah, <laughs> they don't, nebulous. Yeah, he could do what he wants. But hey, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on. It's it's been a pleasure to have you and always a pleasure, man. Absolutely. And and it worked out great today with everything that happened in the real NFL. To talk about, yeah. Yeah, and you know, when you mentioned about the pandemic going on in the world, I think the NFL did a great job today of helping some people forget about that for a bunch of hours while we all yeah. paid attention yeah. to who was going I, where. I think you're right. Like I, I thought like like Sunday night like look they they should they should pause this like we're all dealing with stuff like don't do this it's gonna look bad when you're handing out millions of dollars but now here we are Wednesday night I'm yeah. glad they went ahead me too like, I think we all needed it it was nice on like say Wednesday uh, Monday morning and Tuesday to like just like frantically scroll Twitter for the stuff that wasn't <laughs> you know death tolls and yeah. bad news. It was like, it gave us a distraction and I think it was welcome for many of us and I'm just, I'm glad they went ahead and did it. I think we all sort of needed it. I agree. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, you, before we wrap everything up and go on to the Patreon show, Shane, you want to tell everybody about our Patreon? Uh, me? Yeah, we have a we have a Patreon account, so you should go join it because uh, Patreons last week, they had a great week, man. I dropped some more running back data on them. Um, then we dropped a mock draft on them, a podcast episode, and then we dropped another bonus podcast episode. So I'm not saying we like the patrons better than the non-patrons, but I think our actions clearly indicate that we do. You always say it. You always say that you like them better. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Well, I was just trying to find a a way of saying it without saying it, but yeah, I like the patrons better and we treat them better. So become a patron and I'll be nicer to you. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening guys and go check out our iTunes account at Dynasty Trades HQ. Check out our Podbean at Dynasty Trades HQ. Check out our Twitter at Dynasty Trades HQ. And uh, we're going to go record a Patreon show right now. And thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Say goodbye, goodbye Jeremy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>